Today on Home Care Heroes, we have arguably the top influencer in the home care industry with 33,000 followers on YouTube. I think you're really going to enjoy Carl Pierre. Welcome to the Home Care Heroes podcast, featuring trending topics and practical wisdom for success in home care. Here's your host, Ken Accardi. to do just to get us started was to get to know you a little bit better. You know a, a real lot about home care and kind of give us a little bit of your history with the home care industry. Sure. Thank you very much for having me first and foremost. Um, to give you a little background about myself, I think it's best to start with uh, the story of my parents. Both my parents are immigrants from Haiti, both healthcare professionals. 2010 to present, we have uh, been a, a home health care provider in New York focusing entirely on a managed uh, long-term care patient census. Um, So these are all Medicaid patients who have a chronic long-term need. And we, as of 2019, provided a little over 500,000 hours in services, um, totaling about $12 million in revenue. It's kind of interesting. When when we speak to agencies, I'd say our bigger agencies that we work with, their biggest issue is, you know, kind of attracting and retaining the best caregivers. And interestingly, our smaller agencies, the, the, the biggest issue that they run into is, you know, kind of getting that, that first base of, of clientele. And there's actually a couple of questions around those. But the, this first question I wanted to pass to you is it says, you know, what, what are some ideas or hacks or um, things that you've done to kind of make the caregivers feel like they're part of a bigger team, uh, you know, in, in home care? Because some of the feedback from caregivers is that, you know, they they don't really feel connected to the bigger agency and, and sometimes they feel like they're in a, a communication void. So is, is that anything you have some ideas on? Uh, plenty, um, because it's something that's really important to us. One of one of our core values here at AidBook is teamwork and making sure that people feel inclusive. Um, so from the very first interaction, we try to treat every person who's gonna be employed by our company as a member of our team. Um, when it comes time to onboarding during our, our in-services, it's something that we repeat again. We ensure that everybody understands teamwork is part of our core values. And we have an open door policy regardless of level within the company. Any employee in our company has the potential to shift the company's direction. So we want our employees to be empowered and to kind of function as entrepreneurs within the company identifying problems with services, identifying problems in the patient's home, and bringing that back to us so that we can fine-tune either our technology or fine-tune how we're delivering services. And by kind of involving them in that way and saying, hey, even as a caregiver, as a personal caregiver, home health aid, CNA, whatever you're classified are, as a lot of people tend to look at the education level and minimize that, that, that employee group, but they have the most value to offer the agency because they're there with the patients the longest. They get to see exactly how patients become non-compliant. What issues are they facing with the family members, neighborhood, et cetera. So we have them come back to the company during in-service, during any opportunity that we have during our, our QA, QI, or QAPI um, uh, meetings to voice what their experience is like, and to even provide us with some solutions that they think can improve how we work as a company. So by by having this open dialogue and, and having them be able to shape how we function as a company, ultimately lets them know that they are part of our team and that they have a voice and they're just not 
uh, a number on a list. Yeah, that I mean, that's really, really fantastic. I actually, you might have seen me scribbling. I think that's really, really powerful that any caregiver in the company can uh, change the direction of the company, uh, you know, with a great idea. So I think that is very empowering. And I, I loved everything you talked about with the in-services and and how you do that. It's kind of funny. I teach a, uh, uh, you know, a, a couple of university classes, mostly in information technology. I'm a geek. And, um, you know, one of the quotes that I share is that, you know, Jeff Bezos from Amazon.com is that, you know, anybody in the company could win an argument against a more senior person if they bring the data mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a silly analogy, but I think that it's a really empowering message to your, your um, you know, caregivers and your team. And that's fantastic. Um, another one that, you know, came in here is that, you know, and, and we've kind of seen this, I'm putting some context around it, but uh, you know, sometimes we see an agency and they're getting off the ground and they get up to a certain size and they're like, you know, hey, we've hit our 25 clients. You know, we've hit, um, you know, a million in revenue. We've hit 30. And then they they kind of stagnate. And then every once in a while, um, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it a bad Monday. Right. So um, so what will happen is, you know, like just from some seasonality, some people have moved you know, back to a different location. So you lost kind of two clients that day. And you know, and sadly, I mean, the people we care for don't stay with us forever. So, you know, like maybe two clients passed and, you know, and, and, and two, you know, kind of moved to another geography and, and all of a sudden, so you just went from 30 clients to like 26 and, you know, you were just like there and you're kind of over that hump and, um, you know, and I guess, you know, like, first of all, it sounds like you really have a strong, you know, growth focus. And do you have any ideas that you can share with, you know, how do you avoid those those bad Mondays when, when that happens now and again, and, um, you know, and just kind of some thoughts on always, you know, having the growth engine going and not just kind of plateauing or you know, any thoughts there. Yeah, that that's, wow. That's a, a pretty wide question. Um, so what I've noticed is that a lot of smaller operators, they think small and, because you're thinking small, they're looking at their profit margin being their profit being the the spread or the margin between their cost and their earnings, right? Which, and by definition, it is. So they look at expenses in a very different way, and they're always trying to cut back on expenses rather than spend their way towards success. And because of that. They get when they get to that 30 patient mark or 25 patients, they're, they're, like you said, that's about a million dollar rev. Patients are averaging around 40, 40 hours or so. They think that they've made it and they start looking at how to spend their profits. They get a bigger house, nicer car. They need to show to the public that they are successful in their business um, rather than reinvesting in more marketing, right? And people who that, that can actually grow their business further. Usually from zero to 25, you're your own marketer and you're going out there, you're talking to people in your community, social workers, case managers, whoever it is that you're sourcing your clients from. And you never had someone who's in that role. And now you're busy enough that you're functioning as part-time marketer, part-time, you're the administrator most likely, you're handling HR responsibilities, you're handling all these responsibilities and then you keep raising your pay because you finally want to feel like you've, you've made it. And I think that's the mistake that they fall into. And then they lose those four patients or three patients on a bad Monday. 
and now they're even less likely to spend. So my my recommendation for for people who are just getting started, don't think of any of the early money as your money. All of the early money is the business's money, and every every penny should be spent on growing your business, and that's through attracting the best talent you could get, and the best marketing spend and the best advertising spend that you can do. A lot of, just like you said, data is what drives everything that we do in our company. We look at we look at the lifetime value of an aid. How much is a home health aid going to bring in in revenue on average? How much time did you save with the company? How much do we earn on that on that home health aid when they are working in the average capacity? We look at the lifetime value of a patient. How long does the patient stay with us if they have a certain payer type? If that's managed long-term care, it's usually for life as long as we provide a good service. So how much are we willing to pay to either attract the home health aid or attract a new client? And we look at everything from that perspective and we consistently adjust our spend according to what the outcome is. So my overall advice to avoiding that that initial downturn is use all the data that you've collected. What works for you to get clients and and really think about how you can multiply yourself by hiring a marketing representative that will do exactly what you do or better because they should only have the time to do that and quantify how much is that worth to you, right? So if if 10 patients a month is a target that you think that they could hit and you're paying them $8,000 a month, well, I know that in, in the New York market, a patient is worth about ten dollars to $15,000 lifetime value. So if that person's creating $100,000 of value and you're paying them close to $10,000 a month, that should be a no-brainer spend. A lot of people will look at that spend and say, well, I'd rather have that eight to $10,000 in income so that I can improve my lifestyle. This is why I started this business. So that's a long-winded answer, um, but that's truly what I've seen to be the pattern of what separates the companies at scale and that don't. Especially a lot of operators are usually nurses. They may not have really strong backgrounds in in business, probably never took a business class in their life, don't really, they're, they're always been focused on sciences and, and the actual care administration. So they've never built the mechanics of building a company. And because of that, they, they tend to have that small business mindset. And I think that's, that's what really, that's what really limits the growth there. Right. <laughs> this next question, I'm just chuckling as I read it. So this one says, uh, like many home care agencies, we have a website that has stock photos and basically says that we provide the standard home care services. But, you know, we're not really finding that our website is doing a lot for us. And we see that you have, you know, tens of thousands of followers uh, on your social media. So, like, what would you recommend for us to take our our website and our uh, online presence to the next level? Perfect question. I actually like that one. Um, it doesn't matter if you have stock. First of all, it doesn't matter how your website really looks because people only know of your website if they know of it, right? That's that's like the back in 1996, having a website was a big deal. Now it's kind of a standard thing. The, the difficulty is driving people to that website and making them aware of the service that you provide. So you could do that one of two ways, either by organic 
discovery, which is going to be SEO, content creation, that sort of thing, or by paying for ads. Ads are expensive, especially now they get more and more expensive. So the stock photo doesn't really matter. The design makes a difference somewhat, but a lot of sites are kind of crappy anyway, in my opinion. So what really matters is you get people's eyes, right? You need people to be aware of who you are. And then that's your opportunity to, to upsell them so uh, or to sell them in general. So one of the ways that we get traffic to our site is through social media. Social media to create content is free. Okay. You can, you can create blogs on information that you know, on your experience as a company. And the bet when you're creating a blog or you're creating any kind of content, you want to make sure that the content that you're creating is addressing either a core need that people have or a critical question that people have. One of my most viewed videos on my channel, ENTP Life, is how to start a home care agency. I created that series because I was in the process of starting my home care agency here in Fort Lauderdale. And I was like, you know what? People, I'm sure people are curious. And I was like, you know, I'll just start documenting it, right? Just documenting my life. And I phrased it, how to start a home care agency, because that's what people would typically search if they're going into Google. How can I start a home care agency? And that's how most people find me. So you want to make sure that you're creating content around the highly searched ideas or concepts, how to find a visiting nurse, how to find a home care nurse, how to find a home care agency, how to pay for a home care agency, what payers exist, free home care, how to get it, whatever, whatever would come to your mind as like commonly searched phrases and terms that the general public may use to around the health, the home healthcare industry, you should be creating content around that. So that when people are searching and using Google, using YouTube, or even if they're discovering you through Facebook, Facebook is also going to kind of track your search behavior and it's going to offer you up what you've already been looking into, right? So you want to make sure that you're, you're, you're kind of presenting or creating content that addresses people's questions and that are that's drafted in a way that answers what they're looking for right and then when you do that you start to get that organic natural information and then you start to position yourself as an expert in that area so you can do that with, with blogs you can do that with youtube another company that does this really well and and i, I highly recommend that you check them out is a company called slidebean slidebean creates like a pitch decks for startups and they it's pretty much like PowerPoint, but cooler in a way. Slidebean has a YouTube channel. And on their YouTube channel, they talk about all things startup related, growth cycles, startups that failed, like why did Nokia fail? Why did Research in Motion or, or RIM or BlackBerry, why did they fail? What did these giants do that either propelled them like Airbnb or killed them like Nokia? And everything's around like tech ideas but in every single video that they put out they talk about slidebean and why it's great now exactly so and they've been able to grow their subscriber base based on providing good content that's interesting engaging for people that may have the same interest in starting a company or maybe uh, a startup founder so you want to kind of create 
content around that. Like one video that I'm thinking about doing is how to care for someone who's recently had a stroke, hmm. right? In that article or in that video, there's so much to cover, right? Because the, the person who's re, who's actually searching that that topic most likely is caring for a spouse or a family member who's recently had a stroke. And they, they don't know what to do. They're kind of in a jam. This, this is somebody who may need home care. So as you're talking to them about this is how you care for someone who has partial paralysis due to a stroke, you're sitting there saying, I am also the founder of AidBook, a home health care agency in Florida. This is what we do. We help out. We sometimes provide caregivers, physical therapy, speech therapy, whatever may be needed for someone like this. The more you kind of put those threads out into the internet universe, the more roads you have leading back to you. So I hope that that kind of gives you some insight as to how I think and how I approach driving traffic from the internet. It's not about your website. It's about what sort of information you're putting out there that will pull people and attract people to you. Yeah, fantastic. Or you pay for for traffic. Yeah, and this is just kind of my color commentary here. But a few things I've seen uh, people do is like, let's say that I name my agency like Angels of Love Home Care. I'm, I'm really focusing on my brand name, Angels of Love. And that's not what people are going to be searching for. And then another thing that I've seen people do is that, you know, like there's we like in, I know in New York, you have like the uh, the certified agencies and the licensed agencies and the Taz and Elixas and all that kind of thing. And people, mm-hmm. you know, get very hung up on, well, you know, I am providing non-medical home care. So I, you know, I'm not going to say like I'm not going to put content on my site about finding a nurse. Right. Because I don't provide nurses. I provide caregivers. But. Um, you know, if you think of some of the examples that Carl provided at first, I mean, the the person whose mom, you know, kind of fell and broke her hip and she's coming out of the hospital in two days, she doesn't know the difference between a nurse and a caregiver. So like, so make sure that you're using like, you know, those, those search terms, you know, that like, I mean, because people might be looking for a visiting nurse, even though they want a non-medical home caregiver. And, and another important thing is, uh, you know, Carl, I mean, has this business in New York and Florida that he talked about. Uh, and also, you know, his his brand and a lot of things he does are nationwide, and that's how he gets, you know, followers. But a lot of you are very local, right? So you're going to want to make sure that you have content that covers the names of the specific towns that you are providing services in. And, uh, you know, make sure that you're not just like saying, well, you know, come on, I, I built my page around the keyword, you know, angels of love home care, and nobody's finding it. And that's because, you know, people aren't specifically searching for angels of love. They're They're searching for, you know, help for my mom after she hurt her hip, you know, or is there, or, you know, I need a, I need home nursing in, you know, in Dubuque, Iowa or whatever the case may be. So that's, that's yeah, really, nobody, nobody cares about your brand, your logo or any of that until your brand and logo mean something, right? You can have the prettiest logo and the best name, but nobody cares about it unless they've, unless you have mass effect of people interacting with that. So I, I agree with you. A lot of people get caught up in that, and it, that's not what makes a difference. And and you did touch on a really good point. Since you are dealing in a in a local environment, it might go. It might be good to create content like um, how to pick a visiting nurse in whatever your city is, right? Because even if you kind of segment down to to a certain city or a certain neighborhood. 
the search engines know what neighborhood you're in and they're going to serve you information that resonates with you in some in some way right that even if you're if you're local to carmel new york and somebody has an article about home care in carmel new york what do you think is going to happen the google machine is going to match you up with that article or that blog because they know that you live in carmel new york and they know that you've been googling or, or searching visiting nurses or home care or you've been in a hospital for a certain amount of hours every day for the past week so obviously somebody's been hospitalized because that's that's not your job so the you have to start thinking like the machines think and start trying to position yourself between how the machines are thinking and kind of consolidating information and making sure that you're showing up in front of them perfect all right, I'm going to go on to the next one here. I'm reading it off the screen. Okay, it says that, um, so hold on, I'm going to try to paraphrase this a little bit. All right, so it, it basically says that uh, people might be searching for, you know, like special things to differentiate their agency from anybody else's agency. And, uh, you know, and, you know, again, I'm trying to paraphrase, but, you know, could you think of certain you know, special types of skills other than regular home care and maybe memory care that people might be searching for that might be unique and help an agency to differentiate themselves uh, in some searches? From the public perspective? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that they're they're just trying to say like, you know, what, what you know, kind of unique, uh, you know, instead of being just a vanilla agency, like what what are some you know, maybe unique things that if they specialized in a certain type of, of skill, I guess you gave an example earlier with, um, you know, like, uh, like, you know, after a stroke. So that might be something that would, would search for, but do you have any other ideas of, of something special other than, you know, standard home care that people might be? I would target, ethnic, for? I would target, I would target ethnic groups and subcultures within the U S hmm. because there's often times, for instance, one, one, group that I'm looking to target in New York is the, the Nepalese community. There's enough people from Nepal in New York City to, to have a community, but there's no one really speaking to them. So if, if all the advertisements are in English or Spanish or whatever, the, those are two most popular languages in the US, why not look at how to niche down to certain ethnic groups, especially if you're in an ethnically diverse city. Big cities tend to be ethnically diverse, so you can kind of concentrate on a certain language, because especially when you're doing personal care, things like customs, religion, uh, food choice, etc. If you have an aide who doesn't understand their food culture or doesn't understand their household culture, it's gonna, it's that relationship is not going to work out. So matching your agency to kind of satisfy a subset of, of like society or, or a minority group within the, within the United States, I think that's one way you can differentiate yourself. And it's, it's relatively common and easy to do that. No one is speaking to those, those smaller communities. So you can start speaking to those smaller communities and build around that. And you become the expert in home health care for that particular community. Any other thoughts to close out today's Q&A with uh, things you'd like to share with the, the folks online or things that they might be able to find more about you and that kind of thing? Sure, sure, sure. Well, I, got, I got quite a few. Um, so first, more about me. Echo November Tango Papa. 
space life um, on YouTube. I'm also the I'm also under the same name on Instagram, but that's a smaller following and it's just pictures. So I not much to really capture there. Also, uh, I have a few technical solutions that I build out. I, I know that you're in the same space, but one of the things that that we're working on that's pretty cool is a uh, referral management platform. It's entirely free. Uh, you can register for that at goinghome.agency. What I realized in New York, working in New York, it's pretty fragmented. Um, the process of just getting somebody from being Medicaid eligible to enrolled into an MLTC plan, and they're all disconnected. It's, it's, it's awful. Spreadsheet, you have tons of spreadsheets that you're managing um, and tons of communication with different players. So I brought that into one platform. And what we're doing now there is we're, we're bringing uh, providers onto the platform and trying to create a, uh, a, a two-sided marketplace so that the providers who are looking for home care service uh, agencies can make referrals on the system and then the agencies that have on the other side are able to benefit by getting those open referrals and potentially uh, meeting that demand. So it, it's preliminarily free. Uh, you can use it. You can use it to manage your own referrals. And then as we start to route referrals into different areas, especially for markets that we're not in, we, it's important for us to have agencies that, that we can route that referral flow to so that they can benefit and grow while we either prepare to get into that market or or just being being able to, to make that process a little smoother. And um, last bit of advice that I would give, I think would be to read the book, The Lean Startup um, by Eric Ries. It is a book that truly teaches you how to think like an entrepreneur and teaches you how to make your decisions. And they use a method called validated learning. And it's really, um, a play off of lean manufacturing, which is the, the model that that Toyota used to kind of penetrate the market the way that they have. And really what they're saying is that every decision that you make in your business, just like Jeff Bezos said, should be driven by data. And if your company focuses in this way, every employee can come to the table and say, hey, I've made this observation that we're losing cases because of X reason, I've been tracking it for three months. It's because our phone system is trash, right? We need to we need to upgrade our phone system, and this is the chief complaint that we're getting, etc. And it teaches you that you could make that argument, how to how to present the idea, how to capture the data and communicate the data so that it's clear. And the thing that that we do as entrepreneurs or, or people in business is sometimes we're tracking the wrong metrics. So it, it teaches you the difference between vanity metrics, right? With things that may not matter, like how many likes you have on your on your Facebook page or something like that. It's like it doesn't matter if people like you, how many of these likes are converting into clients? How many of these likes are converting into the end result that you really want for your company? So it teaches you the difference between those two. And so if you really want to grow your agency and you really want to compete with the bigger players in your space, you're going to need to think like the bigger players, and that's probably the best book to give you a step-by-step -step model for you to follow so that you're starting to think in a more business-savvy way. So the Lean Startup, totally recommended. Fantastic. Actually, All right, well, I think we'll, uh, go ahead. I get like 
I give three books to all employees when they're onboarded. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Lean Startup, and Crucial Conversations. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, so that they, all my employees can understand how money works in this country in a very simple way. We, we're in it to make money completely a capitalist, and I want my employees to make as much money as possible as well. Lean Startup, for the reasons I just told you, and Crucial Conversations, because there's so much that gets lost, especially when you're having high-state conversations that shouldn't get lost. So it helps our employees manage how they interact with patients, how they interact with patients' families, and how they interact internally, especially when there's a lot of tension. And in home healthcare, there's going to be. So those are the books that I recommend. Um, and that's one of the things that I do to, to kind of shape the mindset of all the employees within the organization. Yeah, fantastic. I think, I mean, it's kind of funny. We've bookended today's conversation. I think the first question that came in was about retrain, retaining and communicating well with caregivers. And then the last uh, the last thing that you shared today was, you know, I bet that, um, you know, not that many home care agencies are are starting their relationship with a caregiver by giving them three books that can make their life better. So I think that that uh, really sends a, a great message and, uh, you know, really kind of shows who you are and the kind of character that you are. And that's why, uh, you know, part of the reason why you've been so successful. Thanks for joining us today on the Home Care Heroes podcast. Home Care Heroes is produced by Ancoda, the software for the heroes of home care. You can listen to back episodes by visiting forhomecareheroes.com. That's the number four, then the words homecareheroes.com.